The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Well, here we are. We're talking again this week about coming to terms with the risen Jesus. Coming to terms with the risen Jesus. Now, that may sound like a bit of a strange overall title, but that's really what I'm trying to show you that the disciples were dealing with. We've looked last week at them coming to a new understanding, and this week we're going to look at the fact that they're coming to a new responsibility. A new responsibility coming from the fact that they are coming to terms with the risen Jesus. I just want to take you back before the cross. Think of life with the disciples before the cross. They were with Jesus. They were with him every day, all the time. They were traveling up and down Israel, going around with him, sometimes even staying overnight and probably sleeping alongside Jesus. They were out and about with him. They would have seen him do all his wonderful miracles. They would have heard his teaching. They would have seen the interaction that he was having with the people around him. They would have had all of those experiences. They would have seen the blind receiving their sight. They would have seen paralyzed people being able to walk again. They would have seen all sorts of wonderful miracles, the dead even being raised. They would have seen those things. But now we're back in Jerusalem. And we're in a different time because now we're coming to the time after the cross. We're coming to a time actually when just a week ago, as it were, for the disciples, if we're thinking about the Easter resurrection, they came into Jerusalem and there was that wonderful celebration for Jesus coming in, everybody waving at him, hey, we welcome you to Jerusalem. And then merely a week after that, Jesus is crucified. The disciples have seen him crucified. They have seen him die. They have seen him being laid to rest in a tomb. That's what's happened to them. They even go back after a couple of days to that tomb and the disciples are shocked and surprised because the door is no longer in place. The tomb is empty. In actual fact, the tomb, yeah, is empty. Well, who's stolen his body? All of this is going on. And then they meet Jesus. And he's risen again. But things aren't like what they were before because Jesus now is coming and going. He suddenly appears with them in the room and talks to them and says, look, see my hands, see my side. Yes, it's really me. He's eating with them, but then he's gone. Things are not the same. It's not a day after day thing. Jesus appears and then he disappears. Jesus comes into a room where the doors are locked and then he goes again. It's not the same. It's not the same. And they're struggling to get to terms with actually what has happened. Of course, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to know that he's come back and that Jesus is alive, but life itself has actually taken on a new normal. So things are different. And in one sense, I say that phrase deliberately because there is a sense in which that's actually what we feel sometimes, this whole new normal thing. Well, what is normality? We're, all we know is that it's not the same as it was. Okay, and that's a little bit how I feel the disciples were feeling at this time. 
You can tell that it was like that because what do we read in John? We find actually the disciples, led by Peter of course, they go back fishing. Hey, didn't you used to do that? Isn't that the life you came from way back? Yeah, but we're struggling to find our normal now. Because you see, Jesus used to lead us. Jesus used to say, guys, we're going to this town. Guys, we're going to do this. This is what we're going to do today. But now that has gone. It's not the same. Sure, Jesus had been with them. And Jesus now really, actually, when he appeared, he explained that his work was finished. He's come and he's finished his work. Now he's going to be going on. And now we just see Jesus just tidying up the loose details. He's just telling them little bits of pieces of information for them. He's helping them, for instance, to go back into the scriptures. As we looked at last week, Luke 24, verses 44 and 45. This is what I told you, said Jesus, while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So Jesus was giving them some instruction, some understanding, leading them in the way, look, guys, you need to go back to the scriptures. You need to see what's written there. You need to come with a fuller understanding. But he also not only showed them that, he gave them some instructions. And we read particularly of these as Luke records it in the beginning of Acts. So let me read to you Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you, going, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So these are the instructions that Jesus had given to his disciples. He was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now this actually wasn't the first time. It wasn't just like suddenly, because if you reflect back, and indeed if you look in your Bibles back, particularly in John's Gospel, John chapter 13 to 17, where you've got a report of what Jesus was talking to the disciples about at the Passover meal, you'll realize that at the Passover meal, Jesus had been talking about the Holy Spirit. He had been explaining to him. For instance, John 16, verses 5 to 7, he says, But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because I've told you. I just want to point this out. This is the Passover meal. Jesus knows he's going to the cross. The disciples, I think, actually don't really understand that. But what they've picked up on is this, is Jesus is saying, guys, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to go. I'm going to be going. And their reaction, well, of course we know what the reaction is. When you face immediate change or when somebody you love is now saying, oh, I'm moving away, you, and what are we going to do? What's going to happen? You know that type of feeling. And I believe that's what these disciples were feeling on that Passover meal, let alone what was going to happen later on that evening. 
Verse 7, let me carry on here. Instead, he says, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, I've used the word advocate there, which is what appears in the New Living Translation. Various translations of this verse have different words. Could be comforter, could be counselor, could be helper. They're all trying to translate a Greek word which is called parakletos, but that is referring to the Holy Spirit. And it's really trying to say, this is what this Holy Spirit, who I want to come to you, this is what he's going to be like. He's going to be like a comforter. He's going to be like a counselor. He's going to be like a helper to come alongside you to help you. And that's the reason why I'm going away. I'm going away because I want this one, the Holy Spirit, to come alongside you. Okay? And even as I look out over the faces today, and there's a certain blankness here. I, don't, I hope that's not the same at home. But what? You see, that was their reaction too. Holy Spirit. Now, we've heard about the Holy Spirit. We've had some teaching about the Holy Spirit. But I'm trying to get you into the picture of what's happening here. Things are not the same as they used to be. It used to be that we woke up in the mornings. Jesus says, guys, we're going here. Now, sometimes we didn't like it. But we did what he said. We followed him. We saw exciting things. Now, all he's doing is talking about going away. He's telling us we've got to stay in Jerusalem because this Holy Spirit, this comforter, this parakletos is coming to us. What does all that mean? And Jesus had said something to them. He said in Acts 1 verses 4 and 5, which we've read, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John, John who? John the Baptist baptized with water. Yes, we know that. What was all that about? He baptized in water because he was showing there, and it was a sign for everybody, that you had acknowledged that there was sin in your life. You'd acknowledged that that needed to change. You turned to God and you said, I want to live a new way. And so you were baptized in water as a symbol of all of those things coming about. You had repented, you wanted to follow God. We understand this. Right, good. Now that's John's baptism and that's what he did. Now you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Think about it. What does it mean? When you've got no concept, no teaching, what does all this mean? It doesn't really mean an awful lot. Jesus is just saying, guys, you just need to know this. I'm going and another one just like me is coming. And you are going to be baptized in him. So the disciples sort of give the indication like, okay, fine. And you know what it's like when somebody tells you something you sort of understand but don't understand. Yeah, 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 that's okay. And inside, your, your mind is whirling away. You're thinking about all sorts of things. And I think there were lingering questions going on in the, in the disciples' mind. I think they were thinking like, what is all this going to look like? Uh, when is all this going to happen? Those sort of things were going on in their mind. Maybe, maybe Jesus had sent them back to the scriptures again. Why don't you go and read the prophet Joel? 
You can imagine, okay, we'll read the prophet Joel. They might have read Joel too. Then after doing all of these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Maybe they'd gone back to that prophet and read that. We know that actually it was referred to on the day of Pentecost. So something had stirred in their minds. But we don't know. We're not told. All we know is that one day that Jesus was saying, right, guys, you need to get to the Mount of Olives. And they're with Jesus on the Mount of Olives. And the next thing, Jesus is going up into the sky. And it says the clouds hid him. And the next thing, there's a couple of guys in white raiment that are around them saying, God, saying to the disciples, hey, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? He's gone. He's gone. So it's like Jesus has now gone. That is it. He said he was going. Now he's gone. Now we know I really don't know what to do apart from what has he told us to do. And so let me just read what the men, the, the men said. Acts 1 verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Because there is an expectation of like, okay, he's up. So I probably would have been standing, staring up into heaven as well. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. That's it. So that's it. The disciples are now on their own, completely on their own. But what did they do? It says they went back to Jerusalem and they started praying. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his disciples. You see, the point I want to get across to you is this. These disciples had now begun to come to a new understanding. And they were realizing we don't actually know all that we're supposed to be doing. Jesus used to lead us, and that was fine. We didn't need to think about anything. We didn't need to, to actually question. We just followed on with what he was asking us to do. But now, we don't know. So all we can do is follow the instructions that have been given to us. We're waiting in Jerusalem until the gift of the Father that has been promised to us is going to come. But, but how is this gift going to come? When is this gift going to come? What is this gift going to look like? All of those things going around in their mind. So what do they do? They come together and they start seeking God together. They start praying together. And that's just it. We need to pray. You see, they had seen Jesus do exactly the same. They had disciples remember back, hang on, do you remember when we were on those trips? We used to see Jesus going off at night. Sometimes he'd pray through the night. Sometimes he'd go off early in the morning. They had seen Jesus. Do you remember when we actually said to him, hey, will you teach us to pray? And the instructions he'd given to us, they'd learned something from the life of Jesus. Now, when they didn't quite know what to do or what to expect, they had instructions, yes, but they weren't quite sure how all those instructions were going to be unpackaged. They were now coming back to this situation of saying, right, we need to do what Jesus has laid out before us. We need to go and pray. We need to ask God to lead us, to help us, to help us to understand, just to bring us to that place of understanding what his will, what his purpose is. 
We're seeking God not because of anything else, not because of our abilities. In actual fact, we're seeking God because our abilities are not enough. We need to know where he is leading us and what he wants us to do. Because we can ask the question, even ourselves, what is God's will for you? And there are various answers that we can give from Scripture. But knowing the destiny, the purpose of our lives, how do we discover that? We need to come to him and ask of him, Lord, what would you have us do? Where do you want me to be? How do you want me to behave? What are you going to lead me? Where are you going to take me? They need to ask all those questions. And so we see from Acts 1.14, what did these disciples do when Jesus had gone, when they're facing all of this confusion around them? They all joined together constantly in prayer. How about us? And this is where the challenge comes. Do we pray? Well, yes, of course we pray because we've got lots of things. You know, I've got school tomorrow. I've got work tomorrow. I've got all these different... I know that type of prayer, but I'm not really talking about that type of prayer. Are we coming to the place of prayer where we're saying, Lord, I don't know exactly what you want me to do. I need you. That's what the disciples had come to. They'd come to a place of that type of prayer. And remember, this prayer, it takes several things. It takes time. It takes time. Prayer takes time. Can you hear me? Prayer takes time time. Oh, I've got five minutes, I'll just pray. And, and we are presenting ourselves before God and we're bringing our needs and the things of our day before God and that is important and God loves to listen to that. But you don't actually find out the information of what's on God's heart or what he wants for you in five minutes while you're on the way to catch the bus. You know that. Because that's not how you would treat other people or how you take things seriously. The disciples were serious. God has said to us, wait. He has said, I'm going to send you a gift. When? What's it look like? How are we going to understand? We know what it used to be like, but now we're in a new place. And we do not know how things hold together. We don't quite know what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus, we need you. You've gone back. God Hear our cry and answer our cry and help us to find the way. It takes time. And it says of them, they were all together and they were praying constantly together. Constantly. Now, because we know the end of the story from the beginning, which is a problem sometimes for us because it just means like, well, of course, they go fine. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit comes. You see, because you've read the end of the book from the beginning. But when you're at the beginning, you're thinking like, When? Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. Listen, I've given myself to a week of prayer. Nothing happened. Hello? Have you ever been in that situation? Prayer takes time. Prayer takes focus. We're connecting to God. Where is he? What is he like? We have to focus our attention upon these things so that we can... God, I know who you are. You are the God who breaks down the walls of Jericho, as we heard earlier on. You are that God. There are walls in my life of misunderstanding. I need them broken down. Did it happen on day one for Jericho? No, it didn't. They had to walk around the walls for a whole week before it happened. It takes time. It takes focus. We need to focus upon God, the one who is unseen, and we're going to connect with him. Prayer takes patience. 
Well, I've already almost described that, but you can see that things don't always happen in the way that we want them to happen. Why is that? Because it's not about us. We are here because we've been created by him and for him. Our responsibility is to connect to him so that we might know what he wants us to do and therefore we can do it in the best way that we can. That is what it's about. And it takes patience. Sometimes we don't have patience. What do I mean sometimes? I find patience is limited at time in my life, especially when it comes to my needs. God, have you not heard? I have been praying on this issue for some time. There are issues. Like, like many of you, there are issues where it obviously takes patience because there doesn't seem to be the answers that we're looking for. But you see, I have a time scale that's important to me, but God has an eternity that is important to Him. And we need to have patience, but don't give up. Don't Give up. Prayer takes persistence. You know, the disciples themselves had learned that because Jesus had said to them, guys, you need to keep knocking. You need to keep knocking. Sometimes it takes the knocking, but you get tired. It's almost like your knuckles get tired of knocking. But we have to keep going. Because this is what it takes. Look, for those disciples, I'm sure they were remembering back to the things that Jesus had taught. He said to them, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. You see, persistence is required. But confidence needs to be raised. Because of what he has said. You have said, if we ask, we will receive. You, God, have said that if we seek, we will find. You have said that if we knock, the door will be opened to us. You have said it. It's not us. You have said that. And so we want to take hold of that promise that he's given to us. But the second half of the verses in Matthew 7 to 11, it says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God basically is saying, listen, I'm generous, I'm good, I'm faithful, I'm kind, I'm loving. And if you as mums and dads know how to give good things to the children that you've got, and even when the kids are naughty, you still want to bless them. Even when they're naughty, even when they've thrown their food on the floor, or they've been up late at night, or they've gone out partying and whatever, there's something inside of you and your corrupted people. And you still know how to love Listen, that's just a small indication of what my heart is towards you. Do I not love you? That's what God is trying to tell us. Prayer 
needs to take hold of his promises. Prayer needs to take hold of his goodness. Prayer takes faith. Because without faith it is impossible to please God. But everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. But what I'm trying to explain to you is that things were different after the cross. You know, we talk about the cross as being the central point of everything in history, which it is. But you see, there was a time before the cross, and now we're living in the time after the cross. And the disciples were working through both of them, all of it. And that's what we're learning from their lives. So now they'd come after the cross. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. Yeah, but everything's changed. And you know what? It takes, it, our lives are being changed. When you read about it in the scripture, it all seems so straightforward. It's easy. That's what happens. There, it's all done. But when we come to the reality of our lives, we say, oh, it's not quite like that. Not quite like that at all. And you see, I think that's what we find with the disciples. It wasn't quite all easy going, thank you very much. They had to come to a new understanding that they had to go back to the scriptures to start to find out what God was like, what he had said, what he had spoken in his word, so they could understand the things that had gone before, so they could gain understanding from God himself through the word that he has given to people to understand him. But they also had a new responsibility. And that responsibility was now to say, listen, you've given instructions, I need to stay here and I need to pray because I need to know what your heart is. I need to understand you. So please God, please come. Please come and help me. I want to encourage you. Now we're in this time after the cross. Not only do I want to encourage you back into the scriptures, but I want to encourage you back into prayer. Going back, not just bringing your needs, and I know that they're important. There are many things that are important. But let's get down to this. God is, wants to bring his kingdom upon the earth. He wants to bring the value system of heaven through you to this earth. Peace, love, kindness, forgiveness, mercy, grace in abundance, flowing from heaven through us to this broken world. And we need to open ourselves up and say, Lord, help me. Help me to fulfill your purposes. Help me to pray. To be honest with you, I could start here and say, like, the first thing I come to God often with is to say, Lord, please, help me to pray. Yeah, I've prayed many times and I've prayed for many hours. But really, I don't know anything. All I know is I need him. Because when he comes, things start to change. When he comes, he starts to bring the difference. But if we don't seek him until he comes, how are we going to find out what his will is? How are we going to find out what is on his heart for the nation? But this I understand. There's a broken world out there with people whose lives are broken. And the only answer is Jesus. Our thing is, oh, well, how do we get the word to them? How do I get in the right place? How... I don't know the answer to all of those problems. And the disciples didn't know the answer to all the issues about this Holy Spirit coming and whatever, what the timing is. Just stay in Jerusalem until you receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you. Then 
We talk about the Holy Spirit and oh, he does this, he does that. Listen, I need to know him in my life. I need to hear his voice. I need to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I need to start by saying, Lord, help me. Show me the way. Guide me. He's never offended when we come and bring the reality of who we are before him. He already knew what we were like. What he loves is when he has people who are honest and have integrity before him and say, Lord, this is what I'm like. Take me. Take me, Lord. Use me. Help me. But let the presence of your glory come upon me that I might see the change that you want to see, not only in my life, but in this nation around me. I want to encourage you. Meeting with this risen Jesus brings us into a new understanding and it also brings us into a new responsibility. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.